once more. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. All of you in cafe worship this morning around the table of the Lord. Uh, I, I pray that your worship is, is rich and wonderful. We love you guys so much. And anybody in Perry, Oklahoma, uh, Seattle, Washington, uh, uh, Nolan Lake, and Evanston County, we love all you guys. Anybody joining us by audio or video podcast, it's just awesome to be so well connected and an in, in, in incredible network of, of, of believers. We love you so much. Uh, everyone open your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. I'm going to finish up the message series entitled One Tiny Seed. We've been talking now for weeks about the nature of faith and uh, in a lot of ways everything takes us right here to this, this story, this passage in Mark chapter 9 verse 17. How many of you love technology? Love it. Love it. Yeah. How many of you uh, endure technology, what you got to do to work, to, 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 to operate the remote control on your television, that, that, that sort of thing? How many of you like technology, but technology doesn't like you? Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there are just people like that. I, I'm kind of married to a person like that. Uh, it, it's just it's strange. You're the person who, like everybody else has an iPhone or smartphone, and, you know, they're all Snapchatting and Facebooking, and they're talking about the latest thing they saw on Instagram. I mean, everybody in the world saw it on Instagram except for you. Because every time you want to look at something, like everyone else is watching videos, but you've never actually watched a video. Because if you pick up your phone and go to a video, it just like starts loading. And it loads and loads and it never loads. How many of you are that person? I mean, you'll never see it. I mean, Jesus will come back before you ever see, you know, anything that everybody else is watching. Everybody else has a Wi-Fi signal, but you don't have a Wi-Fi signal. Everybody else has like four bars and you can't make a call. I mean, that's just how it is. You, you can be the person, you may work with the person who can sit down in a chair and crash a computer. Never touch it, but, but, but just crash it. I mean, that, that's just kind of how it is. There are just certain people that, that just feel like technology does not work for them. It, it never works. I mean, you try to send a text, you send it to the wrong person. You take a, a zillion pictures of the inside of your purse and you didn't even know you had a camera. I, I mean... Uh, honestly, there are just people that feel like, you know, it works for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me. Now, I'm very, very aware of the fact that there are people who feel the same way about faith. They feel like it works for everybody else, but it apparently doesn't work for me. God answers everybody else's prayers, but I don't feel like God answers my prayers. It must work for everybody else, but it doesn't seem to work for me. Everybody else just jumps in and reads their Bible, and I'm confused by Genesis page 1. I mean, you just feel that way. You feel like it works somehow differently. Everybody else is getting the signal, but, but somehow... It doesn't seem to work for you. If you're that person, if you feel like you are one of those weak faith people, then I want to bring you to Mark chapter 9. This message is for you. It's for all of us, but especially those of you who feel like when it comes to faith, you're on the short side of things. Mark chapter 9. Let's start in verse 17. Now, if you're looking at the whole chapter of Mark 9, notice that the chapter begins in, in, in verse 1 and, and 2 with that story of the mountain of transfiguration. Jesus takes three disciples, Peter, James, and John, up to the top of the mountain, and he is changed before their eyes, transfigured, so that they see him in his glory. Meanwhile, down on the ground, there are nine other disciples fighting the devil. And this is where we pick up. Verse 17. 
One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, and when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And the boy stood up. Afterward. When Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, This kind can only be cast out by prayer. Okay, back up now. Let me just remind you where we were. We were in two different spots. Jesus took three disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on the mountain. And up there, he was transfigured gloriously before their eyes. Y'all know that story, right? I mean, it was amazing. It was so amazing that Peter said, listen, let's just build houses and live here. I mean, it was amazing. Not only that, but, you know, Moses and Elijah just showed up and those dudes was dead. You know, they, they, they showed up in glory. I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing experience. Meanwhile, there are nine other disciples on the ground fighting the devil. Now, now just right there. Just right there. I mean, three disciples somehow, they get this glorious experience with Jesus, and the other nine are down here with some kid puking up foam. Now, do you ever feel like the life of faith is like that for you? I mean, you got three guys up with Jesus having this amazing experience. They're seeing, uh, they're singing visions. I mean, they're, they're wanting to build houses. Moses and Elijah show up. The voice of God speaks. But, but, but then somehow these, these other dudes are just down here you know, doing the best they can to fight the devil. And, and they're not succeeding. Do you ever feel like the, the, the dudes on the ground? I mean, other people up here having these amazing experiences with Jesus in their faith. I mean, their faith burns so brightly, it flames up in, in beautiful ways. And the other guys are in rubbing sticks together. I mean, doing the best they can to, to have a spark. Did you ever feel like that? I mean, what's it take to be on the mountain? I mean, next time Jesus is getting a group together to go up there, I want to go up there. Don't leave me down here. 
I, I can't explain it, but it often feels that way. It feels that way to me. I mean, you listen to stories of people who, who seem to, to speak face to face with Jesus in prayer in, in the Bible and have these amazing experiences in faith. But then, but then you look at your life, you look at your experience and you're just on the ground with the devil day and night. How do you explain that? I mean, what is there to say about that? Well, the the first thing I have to say, help me out, Austin, is that simply faith is messy. Faith is is messy. It's always messy. Somehow we've gotten the the impression that it should be cleaner, that that our own life of faith should somehow be more triumphant. and, And I'm not saying there's not victory in Jesus. There is. But faith is messy. Faith is complicated. That's why in the book of Jude, verse 22, Jude says, you need to have a little mercy with people whose faith is shaky. I mean, that's what Jude says in the Bible. Cut some people slack. If their faith is shaky, if their faith is iffy and wavering, have some mercy on them. I mean, because Jude knew, I mean, the Lord knows faith is messy. And faith is going to get shaky sometimes. And, and, and sometimes you may be the one up, up on the mountain with Jesus. But a lot of the time, you're going to be on the ground with the devil. I mean, the, and the rubber of faith hits the road right there. And that's when some, sometimes you just realize, I'm, I don't have a lot of faith. Faith, it, it, it just honestly, it just literally gets, it, it gets shaky. So the father brings his son to the disciples. Now, Jesus, as we said, is up on the mountain with the other three. So when this father and his son arrive, Jesus isn't present, but nine of his disciples are. And in the father's mind, at first anyway, that's good enough. In the ancient world, I mean, a messenger of a man was the same as the man himself. I mean, these are followers, disciples of Jesus. So the man assumes that the disciples will have the power that Jesus has because they are his followers. He he assumes that they can do what Jesus does because they are his followers. And honestly, in the scriptures, Jesus sends them out to do the very things that he does. They are sent out to cast out devils. They are sent out to heal the, the sick. They are expected to do exactly what their master does. So there's nothing out of line here. There's nothing out of sorts. The fact that the disciples are asked to do what their master does, that's to be expected. The problem is they can't do it. I mean, in that moment, Jesus is not present. Nine of his disciples are, but they can't do it. All of them together, they can't take on the the, the demon that's got this little bitty boy in, in such torment. They can't do it at all. So by the time Jesus and the three disciples come down the mountain, I mean, it is chaos down there. I mean, you got this boy rolling around on the ground, puking up foam, you know, jumping in the fire, jumping in the water. You got nine disciples, ah, you know, I mean, I mean, freaking out. And then you got everybody else that's in chaos. So Jesus comes down the mountain and says, what's going on? What's happening? And the father explains, my son is possessed by a demon. The demon tries to kill him. It's been going on since he was a little boy. I brought him to your disciples so that he could be delivered, but but they couldn't do it. Then Jesus says something really, really interesting. Verse 19. What does he say? You faithless people. Now, you get the idea here that Jesus is just a little bit put out. Now, he is God, but he's also human. He's God in the flesh. And right here, he, he starts sounding very human when he says just simply, how long am I going to put up with you people? 
I mean, that's what he says. How long must I put up with you? How long must I be with you? You faithless people. Now, who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? I mean, there's a whole crowd of people down there, and there's a little boy foaming at the mouth and the devil, and you got all kinds of people, and you got disciples, and Jesus says, you faithless people, who's he talking to? His disciples. He's talking to his disciples. Comes down the mountain, and it's the disciples that get the reprimand here. You faithless people. You see, you don't necessarily expect the world to have faith. I mean, Jesus doesn't necessarily expect that the people who don't follow him, you don't, you don't look for faith in them. But when he looks at his own followers, he expects to find faith. How long must I be with you? He says, you, you faithless people, faithless people. I, I just would say this. It's a bad sign for the church when people think less of Jesus after encountering us. You see, the man had faith enough to bring his son to the disciples, but after that, he doesn't, he doesn't even know anymore if, if his son can be delivered. He has no idea anymore. He is so confused because now he's down there in the chaos of the disciples who can't manage to get anything right. They have no faith. No faith. And so this father, when he's talking to Jesus later, he's like, you know, help us if you can. I mean, he really, the, the, the little bit of faith the father had at the beginning is now lessened because he's encountered the disciples. Man, that terrifies me. Because I have a sneaky suspicion that there are sometimes people in our lives who think less of Jesus after meeting us. I just have a sneaky suspicion that you and I are not always pointing our lives in such a way where people understand the power and the love and the mercy and, and the salvation that's available in Jesus' name. I'm afraid we're really not very good representatives. You faithless people, Jesus would say, to people like us. It should be expected that in the world we will do what he would do, that we would say what Jesus would say, that we will have the power that Jesus says that we would have, but we don't have it. We don't even have it. I mean, when's the last time something happened in this church that could only be explained with reference to Jesus' power? It's probably a bad sign for the church when pe people think less of Jesus after encountering us. Non-disciples altogether, they couldn't do this thing. They, they, they could not set this boy free. So Jesus says, bring the boy to me. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. <laughs> okay. He just said, if. He's talking to Jesus. Jesus. God in the flesh, you know, maker of heaven and earth. I mean, Jesus, the power in Jesus. I mean, y'all know this, but this man just looked at Jesus and said, help us if, if you can. He said, if, can you, can you say if to Jesus? Just do what you can. Put a Band-Aid on it if you can. You know, wipe, wipe the slobber off his lip and we'll go home if you can. If, if. What's Jesus say next? What do you mean if I can? Now, now what tone do you hear that? How, how do you hear J Jesus saying that right there? 
what do you mean? I mean, what do you hear? What do you mean if I can't? I mean, is Jesus insulted here? Because it's kind of an insult. It's like, you know, going up you know, to LeBron James and saying, you know, hey, hit that basket if you can. I mean, you know, if you can, if you can, I mean, is, is Jesus insulted? Well, what do you mean if I can? How, how does Jesus say that? What is his tone? What is Jesus doing here? Jesus is doing here what Jesus is doing in every moment of every one of our lives. Jesus wants to build this man's faith. So, understand, when Jesus asks a question, it's never because there's something he doesn't know. He wants to bring this man to faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to know God. And this man is about to come to know Jesus in a big way because his faith is going to be built. It's going to be stretched. And it starts with this question, what do you mean if I can? There is no question what Jesus can do. So, Jesus doesn't give a reprimand here. He doesn't say, what do you mean if I can't? Well, what do you mean? I mean, it's not a reprimand. It's a promise. Not a reprimand, a promise. And what is the promise? Anything is possible if you believe. Understand what just shifted there? It's shifted. It's not a question of whether or not Jesus can do this. The question is whether or not this man can believe. Understand? It's a question of his faith. It's not a question of Jesus' ability. It's a question of his faith. What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if you believe. You see the switch there? See what he did there? So what's the man say? It's absolutely amazing. I love it. The father instantly cries out. And the word here is he cries with tears. I mean, this is coming from a deep place in his heart. This is an anguishing prayer that this man prays right now. And what does he say? He says, I believe, but what? Help my unbelief. What? What? I believe, I do believe, I also don't believe. Help that part of me. Can you do that? Can you say that to Jesus? That sounds kind of, you know, kind of crazy. I believe, I also don't believe. I, I believe, help, help my unbelief. Remember I said faith is messy? Do you know how messy it is? Who in this room, who in the sound of my voice has never felt exactly what that father's feeling right there? I I believe, Jesus, I believe, but you're going to have to help that part of me that doesn't. I mean, because it's both in me at the same time. I have a believing heart and I have an unbelieving heart in the same chest. I mean, I, mean I, I pray and I, and I pray and then I still walk away and think, man, I wonder, I wonder if he's going to do it. I wonder if he can do it. I, I believe, help my unbelief. I mean, can, can you do that? Can you come to Jesus that way? Oh, oh absolutely. I, I would say this. You just start with Jesus where you are. I mean, Jesus already knows. He knows the the belief. He knows the unbelief. He knows the mess that's inside of me and you. So you just start with Jesus where you are. Again, there's no reprimand here. Jesus doesn't say, well, you know, you just just take a long walk and you come back when you're all belief. 
Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. I mean, what if we could measure it? What percentage of this man is belief and what percentage is unbelief? What if he's 90% belief and 10% unbelief? Would that be good enough? Or, or what if he's more like 50-50? What if he's 50% belief and 50% unbelief? Would Jesus take him on then? Would Jesus accept that then? Would Jesus do it for him? What if it's more like, what if it gets lopsided? What if it's more like 40% belief, 60% unbelief? Would Jesus still fool with that man? Would Jesus fool with the fool that's only got 40% faith? What if it's more like 1090? What if he's like, like, like barely believing, mostly unbelieving, but, but hey, let's take a shot here. I mean, what if he's like... What if he's 2% belief, 98% unbelief? Is that going to be good? Would Jesus ever fool with anybody who's only 2% faith? Well, I feel like that's what you would call mustard seed faith. I think that would be mustard seed faith. What if all you got is 2% faith? I mean, how much faith does it take? It just takes enough to come to Jesus and ask. You just come to Jesus and, and, and ask. I mean, in other words, you just go with the faith you have. If it's just 2%, you go with that. You just go with that. Because you don't understand. It's not about how much faith you have. It's where you put your faith. Remember, faith is a friendship. It's a relationship with Jesus. You just bring what you have to Jesus. It just takes enough faith to ask. Now, fast forward to the end of the story. When the disciples say, Jesus, man, what went wrong? Why couldn't we do that? I mean, the disciples at the end, they say, Jesus, help us. We tried. We tried. We read the Bible to him. You know, you know, we ran circles around him. We threw holy water in his face. We were so an evil spirit. Come out. Come out. I mean, they did all of it. Jesus, what? We, we don't understand. Why couldn't we do it? And what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? Well, Boys, there are things in this world that you're only going to accomplish if you're awesome. What Jesus said, some things you'll only accomplish after you've probably finished seminary, probably a PhD and several internships. After you become a Bible scholar, just need a little more experience in this demon stuff. Boys, I'll help you out. I'll mentor you. What did Jesus say? No, no, no. It's just some things that only happen when you... Pray. What's prayer? Well, you got to ask Jesus. (laughs) What Jesus is saying? Something's only going to happen, boys, when you ask me. You you call on me. It's just a little bit of faith. It just takes the faith that it takes to call on Jesus. Just pray. There's risk involved. I mean, this father comes out there with his little boy. I mean, have you ever had a sick child? Have you ever had a child that, 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 that the doctors can't help? Have you, have you ever, ever been in that situation where there's nothing in the world to do for your child? And this is the father's situation. And, and he's already been humiliated with these nine, you know, disciples, Mo, Larry, and Curly, the disciples, you know, who, who can't manage to do anything right. And there's just chaos. And it's just all around this father who only wants to see his little boy get help. 
And this incredible risk, that, that risk of disappointment, the risk of being publicly embarrassed. I mean, it's the risk sometimes of stepping out, taking this leap of faith uh, on the basis of what, what, what you think is possible. I mean, you, you know what Jesus can do, but you never really know what he, what, what he will do. There's just that risk involved. There's always risk involved. You're never going to have so much faith where, where, where there's not a, a little bit of risk involved here because you just don't know. You never know how things will turn out. It's just the faith that it takes to, to come to Jesus. It's just the faith that it takes to bring your son, to, to, to bring your heart, to bring your family, to bring your marriage. It, it's just the faith that it takes to bring your past, to bring your problems. It's just the faith that it takes to bring it to Jesus and leave it there to see what he will do. I believe. And I don't. Jesus, help the part of me that doesn't. I don't know if any one of us will ever get beyond that. I, I, I know some of us have walked with Jesus a long, long time, and our faith is strong, and our faith is deep. But, but I don't know if you ever get past that. That may be the most honest and the most amazing prayer you could possibly pray. Lord Jesus, I believe, but please help my unbelief. Let me give you one final thought. It's just this. Even if you have a watermelon of doubt, your mustard seed of faith will still prevail. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A watermelon of doubt. Man, I've got that most of the time. I'm a logical person. I, I, I worry. I don't like to be embarrassed. I don't want to jump out here and, and, and say something and then, and then God not show up and then I look like a fool, you know. I often have this watermelon of doubt. What about you? Um, you know, just you know, sometimes it's that other side of me that just despairs and, and wonders and doubts and fears. But, but I've still got in me just this little bitty seed. It's like 2% faith maybe, but, but it's there. I've got that. And, and this is what Jesus says. I mean, a mustard seed of faith, it's all it takes. It's all it takes. It doesn't matter if it's like 98% unbelief and 2% belief. I'm telling you, that 2% belief, it still wins. It still prevails. Faith wins out. Because faith has to do what Jesus is going to do. And anything is possible with Jesus. Anything is possible with Jesus. You don't always know what he will do, but, but you can't doubt what he can do. I mean, anything is possible with Jesus. You just take the little bit of faith you have. You go with that. You, you put that faith in Jesus. And see what he will do. Put your faith in Jesus. See what he will do. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you always with hearts that are at the same time believing and unbelieving. Lord, some of us have walked with you for a long, long time and we've seen you do great things. But Lord, still, 
when our need is overwhelming, when our problems are great, when our fear is paralyzing. Lord, it's in those moments when we just don't know. We, we wonder, we, we fear, we doubt, we, we don't always believe, Lord. But help that part of us, Lord, that does believe, that that mustard seed part of our hearts that continues to cry out to you, that continues to call out to you, Lord. We, we beg you, we, we do believe, but help our unbelief. Help us, Lord, just to believe enough to pray. Believe enough to come to you. Believe enough just to ask. Lord, finding out that whenever we bring our mustard seed of faith to you, Lord, you are always faithful to do above and beyond anything we could possibly ask for or imagine. Lord, you always answer. You always demonstrate your power, Lord. You have never left us. You will never abandon or forsake us. And you will never not answer our prayers. We believe Lord, help our unbelief. Help us, Lord, to walk with you as a friend with a friend. Lord, help us, Lord, to trust your heart and to know the power in your hand. Lord, inside of us is a whole lot of mess, of doubt, a a tangle of confusion and fear and worry. But somewhere in there, Lord, there must be this, this tiny speck of faith. Help us, Lord, to live out of that, to to bring that to you. And then show us, Lord, what you will do. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand together. Altars open if you wish to come and pray. I'm at the front if you wish to come and have me pray with you or walk you through a decision you want to make. If, if you have a physical need for healing, go over to Brother Willie Ray on the baptistry side and let him anoint you and pray for you. That's what the Bible says, dude. Whatever your need, whatever your concern, whatever your fear, bring that to Jesus today. Just go with the faith you have and come to him. Call upon him as we sing.